Luke chapter 22, I'm going to start in verse 54, so we uh, make good use of our time. Luke 22, 54, Jesus uh, has been confronted by the, basically the police and the garden. They have arrested him, these soldiers have, and the Bible says here, so they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of those Jesus followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I am not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord, check this out, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind where Jesus had said, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times, that, deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. The guards in charge of Jesus began mark, mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and said, prophesy to us who hit you that time. Wow. They hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. How did we get here, Peter? <laughs> How did we get from Jesus, I will never deny you. I'll die for you to I don't even know you. How did we get there? In just a few short verses, what seems like a very quick fall is actually not a quick fall at all. No fall is quick. It's actually a journey. And Peter got here way before he got here. He was here in his heart. And he didn't even recognize it. Jesus recognized it. Remember, Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. And I love this about Jesus. He said, I've prayed for you, but you're still going to fall. Woo! That's an amazing thing. That's an incredible thought, isn't it? Jesus said, I prayed for you. You're still going to fall away. You're still going to deny me. But when you have denied me and when you have fallen, you will turn again. And when you turn again, see, sometimes Jesus isn't praying that we miss the fall. Sometimes Jesus' prayer is just that we come back. Isn't that an amazing thought? I love that about the Lord that, that uh, man, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't always intervene in my fall. Because my fall actually teaches me something sometimes about myself that I wouldn't learn about myself if I didn't fall. And so he lets him fall, but he says, I prayed for you, so you're going to return. And when you return, you're going to preach to your brothers. And this spirit of encouragement that I have given to you is going to come on them. And God is going to use you in a great way. It's an amazing thing. But let's talk about the journey for a second. Because this didn't just happen. How did we get here? Peter, we got here because Peter was overconfident. Peter was overconfident in himself. Peter was what we would say in our day and age, a self-made person. He's a fisherman. He is a hardworking man. He is, uh, his, his days are not short. His days are long with labor. He, he knows what it means to get up early and to go to bed late and to make a living for himself. Peter is a confident man in his abilities to take care of himself. 
And Peter is overconfident. Because when it comes to the Lord, there's, there's a line we cross when it becomes arrogance and not confidence. <laughs> and that's overconfidence. And Peter has crossed into this arena because Jesus says to him, Matthew 26, verse 31 through 35, he says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Peter responds, no way, Jesus, this can't happen. Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I won't ever stumble. And Jesus is saying, Peter, scripture has spoken it. Like you realize by speaking, you are saying you have more confidence in yourself than you have in the scripture that has already spoken. There's an overconfidence. And when we're overconfident, one of the first things we do is overspeak. <laughs> we talk too much. When we're overconfident, we talk too much. Proverbs 10 and 19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. In other words, sometimes insecurity actually makes us talk more than we should. And when we overspeak, we overcommit. I can't tell you how many people have come through these doors over the past 33 plus years and said, I'm with you forever. (laughs) And they're not here anymore. And I'm not surprised because I've seen it before. I have seen people who are insecure. They overspeak and they overcommit. You ever notice that when somebody is really struggling with their um, in their relationship with somebody because of their insecurity about how they feel about them? or about how they actually feel about the person they're in relationship with, they begin to overstate their love, overstate their affection, overstate their commitment. And when we feel insecure about even our marriages or other relationships, we begin to overbuy and overdo it. For Valentine's Day, if we're trying to save our marriage, we buy 10,000 roses when just one every week would have done the trick. But now because we haven't done anything for the entire year, now we're overstating. And we really don't love them 10,000 roses much. We're just trying to prove that we love. Peter did this. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus and the guy, they reach out to grab Jesus and Peter grabs the sword and he cuts the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, whoa, bro, that's not what I came for. It's not what we're here for. Haven't haven't you learned anything about me in the past three and a half years? This is not what I'm about. But because now he's his his commitment has been threatened. Now he's overcommitting and now he's doing stuff that the Lord never asked him to do and saying things he never asked him to say. He's overcommitting. Why? Because he's insecure. He's overcommitting. Why? Because he really knows who he is. And sometimes because we know who we are, we overcommit thinking that's going to fix us and that's not going to fix us. We overspeak thinking that's going to fix us and it's not going to fix us. I've been to conferences my entire life 
and I've, I've noticed this, especially at conference time or when, when you have like revival services or you have special services or you have a special speaker and they share a message and we, we, they, they give this incredible message and it's very convicting, but we run to the altar and we say stuff like, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything, I'll be whatever you've called me to be. And then the next morning, God simply asks us to talk to our coworker about him and we can't even do that. Why? Because we are constantly overcommitting because of our insecurity. And Jesus actually came to the earth to help us with our propensity to overcommit. Remember in the Old Testament, they actually had the opportunity to serve God by faith, but they looked at God and said, whatever you command us to do, we'll do it. And so he gave them commandments. And what did they do for the rest of the Old Testament? They broke every single one of them. We overcommit. Remember last week, Pastor Richard talked to you about the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, he said, you know, I, I'd love to follow you. What do I do? What do I do to, to get salvation? And Jesus looked at him and said, you got to keep all the commandments. And he said, I have. He was lying. He was lying. Because when Jesus asked him to sell all of his stuff, he couldn't sell all of his stuff because he couldn't even keep the first one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So we overspeak, we overcommit when we're actually really insecure. We've got to recognize that about our lives, man. Sometimes we overspeak, we overcommit. And what does that do? It doesn't just lead us to a fall, it leads us on this journey of a fall. And we can recognize that Peter is on this journey because we can recognize this journey in ourselves. He is overconfident. Now because he's overconfident, we find them, him and the disciples in the garden with Jesus. Jesus is needing them relationally to just pray with him. And they don't even have enough strength to pray with him when a few verses later they said they'd die for him. Now they're not even able to pray. Why? Because when you overcommit, you're too fatigued. You're too emotionally broken. <laughs> to pray when you need to pray. Now, because you have overcommitted, now your world is flipped upside down. And when you're praying, when you're supposed to be praying, you're sleeping. And now when you're supposed to be sleeping, you're working. And now when you're supposed to be with your family, you're answering emails. And now when you're supposed to be on a date with your wife, you're looking at Instagram. Why? Because when we overcommit, when we overview ourselves and our own ability, we get tired. And when we get tired, our life becomes dysfunctional. <laughs> and when we're supposed to be sleeping, we're wide awake. And when we're supposed to be awake, we're sleeping. Why? Because I haven't, I haven't recognized Peter that the scripture said, I am not enough on my own. No matter who you are, if they strike the shepherd, the, the sheep scatter. When they hit Jesus, it's going to hit you. He said, no, 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 no. Jesus is like, yes, it's going to happen to you. Do you know when you are, are on a journey to a fall, when you say, never me? That would never happen to me. Do you know when you're on a journey to a fall is when you look at other people who have fallen and you judge them in their fall. 
Because the problem with most of us is we haven't been given the same opportunity. And we look at people and we say, man, I never would have done that. <laughs> you don't know. You weren't given that opportunity. I never would have cheated like that. You don't know. She didn't talk to you the way she talked to him. <laughs> you, oh, you don't know. Because except it be for the grace of God, there go I. When you start to think it couldn't be me, it would never be, I would never. You're actually on the journey to your fall. Hmm. It's an amazing thought. So we overspeak. We overcommit. Matthew 5, 3, <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 36. Jesus said this even about oaths because he knew our propensity to overcommit. He said, again, you have heard that, <laughs> that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. <laughs> you remember, they said, God, whatever you tell us to do, we'll do it. He says that was their mistake. They thought they could keep it. They thought they could do it but they couldn't. So I'm telling you, don't, don't swear at all. Don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by, I swear to God. No, you better not. God says, don't do it. Just simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you have to add collateral to your statements, that means probably in your heart you don't think it's true. You know there's the potential that I can't do it. So when I feel like I can't do it, I overstate my ability to do it. Woo! Jesus said, Peter, the enemy is going to sift you. And surely he meant it, but he didn't have the power to keep it. Mm. So now he's, He's emotionally, physically fatigued. You see it in the garden we talked about. They've, they're emotionally, physically fatigued because this is what happens is the way this has turned out with Jesus is not the way they thought this was gonna turn out with Jesus. So they didn't prepare for this. They prepared, when they, when they got to Jerusalem, they were prepared to take over. They weren't prepared to go to jail. But now they're faced with this fact. Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to be killed and you guys are connected to me. And they're thinking, well, if he's getting ready to be killed, at least I'm gonna be arrested. So they're all, they're all disconnecting from him. And when Jesus is crucified on the cross, only one of his male disciples is there and it's John. Do you know why it's John? Because John is the only one in the New Testament who brags on God's love for him and not his love for God. Peter is constantly telling Jesus, I'm with you, I'm for you, I love you. If anybody loves you, it's me. John is constantly saying, I am the disciple whom Jesus loves. Man, you gotta flip it. You've got to stop acting like your commitment to God is the thing that's really keeping this whole thing together and realize that it's been his commitment to you all 
the while. It's always been him. It's always been his faithfulness. Even when you've been unfaithful, he's remained faithful. Even when you've walked away, he is still stayed with you. I love it because even when Peter is denying Jesus, the Bible says that he's so close still that Jesus looks at Peter. Even in his denial, Jesus is looking at him. <laughs> so he's tired. This isn't how I thought this was going to go. I brought my sword because I thought we were going to kick butt and take names. I thought this was our time. But it wasn't. And so this is life, right? We expect it to go a certain way and it doesn't. And when it doesn't, fatigue enters in physically, emotionally. Have you ever gone on vacation and thought, my God, I need a vacation from my vacation? <laughs> what was that all about? Why is that? Because usually when we go on vacation, <laughs> we, we ex first of all, we expect too much of it. <laughs> we, we thought the weather was going to be one thing it wasn't. We thought the hotel was going to be one thing it wasn't. We thought the kids were going to act a certain way it wasn't. They didn't. And then what happens is we go there, we spend all of this time and all of this money, and then on the way home, we're driving, we're thinking, that credit card bill is coming due. And that interest rate is 19, 20%. And I'm still paying on, on Christmas. Right? We, we don't rest right. We don't rest right. And the reason, and, and, and because we don't rest right, especially when we face stuff that was unexpected, it hits us. Like, like if you were to wake up this morning and somebody was to say to you, hey, listen, you've got to run a marathon. And you haven't trained for a marathon. Like you would be afraid. I don't know anybody in here who was told, hey, man, you've you got to run a marathon. And you're like, Seriously, I, I ate pizza last night. I can't run a marathon. You didn't prepare, so you're not ready. You're not emotionally ready. You're not physically ready. And so if you run that marathon, you're probably not going to run that marathon. You're probably going to walk that marathon, crawl in that marathon, and have somebody have to pick you up about three miles into it and carry you the rest of the way through that marathon. You weren't prepared. And so why, why do we think that life is any different? Stuff is constantly happening to us that we didn't prepare for. You didn't prepare for that sickness. You didn't prepare to lose that job. You didn't prepare for it. And so when it happens, emotional and, and physical fatigue are thrown onto us that we did not prepare for. So what do I have to do? How do I properly rest? I have to create margin and space in my life. I have to create space for crazy stuff to happen. It's like when, when What's-His-Face told us when we were getting married, he said, uh, the, the finance guy, Ramsey guy, he said, you need $1,000 in an account that you don't touch because something bad is gonna happen to your car, in your health. You need to prepare. You have to create margin for trouble in your life. 
Have you ever noticed Jesus was never rushed in his ministry? Why? How, 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 did he, how did he live a life that was not rushed? Well, he was in constant communication with the Father. How do I live an unrushed life? I live in constant communication with the Father. The Bible tells us about Jesus that he woke up early to pray. And you're like, I need another 15 minutes. No, you actually need a 15-minute prayer time. Because rest is not always about sleep. Because for some of us, we lay in bed, but we're not actually sleeping. And we would get better physical rest if we would get better spiritual rest. Isn't it an amazing thing that of all of the Ten Commandments, the longest commandment that God takes his time on is the one about rest. Because he knew it would be the one that would create the most dangerous places and spaces in our life. The reason, the reason I want my neighbor's stuff is because I'm not resting. The reason I lie is because I'm not resting. Watch, Peter is tired, he's fatigued, so the, the commandment is do not lie. Peter is now, he is in a situation where he's around some people, they have recognized him, and they're saying, aren't you with Jesus? He's saying, no, this isn't who Peter is. Peter's not a liar. This isn't his character. This isn't, who, this isn't the man we've seen him to be. We, we've not seen him to be a man that's a coward and afraid of people knowing that he was with Jesus. Just a few verses earlier, he's got a sword out. He's ready to go. He's not afraid. He is tired. He's tired. He's tired because it didn't work out right. And he's tired because he's put too much confidence in his flesh. And now he's lying. Why? Because he hasn't rested He isn't rested. Jesus, the Bible would tell us, woke up early to pray because he had to get some things from the Father. He had to get, he had to get his confidence from the Father. Remember, Jesus would say stuff like, the only thing I do is the thing I see the Father doing. Man, what if we lived our lives that way? I, I, can you, no, I can't. The only thing I do is what I see the Father doing. But most of the time, we, we let other people set our schedule for us because of how we are afraid they will react if we don't do it the way and how and when they want us to do it. Because we're not rested, we're not focused. We're involved in a bunch of different things that don't make any difference in our future. Some of them might even be good, but every good thing is not a God thing. That's why Jesus said, yeah, there are a lot of good things I could be doing right now. Even at the end of his ministry, you find Jesus getting even more focused. At the beginning, you see Jesus, he's at a wedding, and the Bible says that he's there, and his mom says, hey, can you, can you help these people out? They've ran out of wine, and Jesus says, it's not my time yet. This is a distraction, and, and because it's his mom, he does it anyway. There's a woman at a well, so he stops, and he chills by the well for a little bit, but at the end, you don't see a woman at the well. You don't see Jesus at a wedding. Matter of fact, Jesus is actually on his way. The Bible says he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and there were other things he could have done, other people he could have ministered to, and I'm sure somebody said, Jesus, you should have come to my house that day. Jesus, you should have visited me that day. Jesus, you should have healed me that day. Jesus, you should have been there for me that day. He said, but I gotta go to Jerusalem. There are just some things that are good. Good things, but they're not a God thing for me. Woo! 
That's liberty to somebody in this room today. Some mom who thinks she's got to be there for everybody. Some mom and dad who think they got to fix every situation. Some husband in here who thinks he's got to take his wife to Bermuda every year for vacation. There are just some things that you can't do. And that is okay. And we struggle with this in our day even more than Peter. Imagine if Peter had Instagram. Dear Heavenly Father, how messed up would this guy have been? When he started preaching on the day of Pentecost, he would have been preaching. He would have checked his Instagram. Is everybody, did anybody like that sermon today? Did I get any, did they get a really good picture of me while I was preaching that sermon today? Did they get the crowd? Because the crowd was massive. Did you guys see that crowd? We fill our lives with things that, it's not necessarily bad things. They're just not God things for us. So it leads us to this failure to, so, so we're in the garden and we're sleeping when we should be praying. And then we end up lying, doing stuff that's out of our character. And then it escalates because when we start to act out of character, man, now, now we've just got to go with it. And now he's like, no, I don't know him. No, man, bro, leave me alone. I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, get out of my face, bro. I don't know him. That's what the Bible said. Start yelling and cursing. Have you ever found yourself, somebody look at you and say, that's not in character for you. That's, or you look at somebody and you say, wow, I can't believe that happened to them. Oh, it didn't just happen. How did we get here? Oh, he didn't just arrive. It was a journey. And it started with confidence in self. Paul would say it this way in his relationship with God. This is how he treated it. He had actually gone to the Lord and prayed and asked him to take out a thorn that was in his flesh that was causing him trouble. And God didn't do it. And the response from heaven was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. But watch what the follow-up verses say. Paul says this. He says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, and needs, and persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am Strong. He's not talking about his sin. He's talking about his weakness, his his uh, the things, his his sicknesses, his persecutions. He's not talking about the fact that I'm I'm not I'm not doing what I should be doing. That's not what he's. That's not what he's talking about here. He says when you, this is what happens when you properly rest in Christ, Christ's power rests. On you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to boast in my infirmities because what I'm going to do is I'm going to admit my need of him. And when I admit my need of him, his power rests on me. Is there anybody in this room today in need of a power that is bigger than you? It's bigger than your education. It's bigger than your income. It's bigger than your family. It's bigger than your ability. Is there anybody in this room today who said, I need the power of Christ to rest on me. So rest in him. Remember Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come. All who are weary, heavy laden, I will give you 
rest. Who's he talking to? He's talking to a Jewish community who had made a promise that we can do it. And he's saying, nope, you couldn't, could you? The law has overwhelmed you. So come to me. We do it. One of the reasons we do it is because we have this, we have this need to, to win, this need to maximize our time. And so we do it. We, we go in for a couple of hours on a holiday. We sneak some email responses, you know, on a Saturday. We do it. And I understand all of that. So, so what I want you to hear t- today is I'm not telling you you need to go home and take a nap. If you need a nap, take a nap. What I am telling you is you need to learn to spiritually rest and spiritual rest will lead to physical rest. Rest is actually a gift of God that he gives his children, the Bible tells us. He gives his children rest. So what is it? Relationally, I'm a child that he gives. Rest is a gift that he gives me for resting in him. You'll sleep better. You'll create more margin. You'll do what only the Father tells you to do. Your yes will be yes and your no will be no. You won't overcommit. You'll walk with a pace in life that is enviable to the world. And they'll wonder, how did you get ahead when, 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 you, didn't, when you didn't stay up till three o'clock in the morning every night? I got ahead because there's a power resting on me that is not of this world. While I was sleeping, Jesus was working for me and doing things for me that I couldn't do for myself. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years. You can put a thousand hours in. I'm just going to rest in his goodness and in his grace. And he'll give me wisdom. He'll give me strength. He'll give me the way to go. He'll tell me what to do. He'll tell me who to avoid. He will take away all of the things that would eat up my time and take away from my rest if I'll rest in him. Can you stand on your feet this morning? I've got to rest in him. So, Father, today... We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he finished the work on the cross. And the Bible tells us that he went down and he sat down at the right hand of the father because his work was done. First of all, God, help us to stop trying to earn your salvation, trying to earn your love, trying to earn your grace. You have sat down because you have already accomplished it for us. And if we are your children, then we are just we are just a part of the overflow of what it means to be your child. We have come under favor. We have come under rest. We have come under peace. We have come into relationship and let us live out of relationship. You are more interested in who we are becoming than what we are doing. That's why you let Peter fall, because you knew that he couldn't carry that self-confidence for the next 20 years of his life. So God, whatever you got to do to break us of our will so that our will becomes your will, do it in Jesus' name, because we truly need rest. We need true rest. I've actually, I've actually fallen to sleep and woken up more tired when I've rested in self. But there is a rest that you bring that even though we might not get as many hours, it accomplishes just as much and even more because not are we, we aren't resting in ourselves anymore. 
We are resting in you and your power is resting on us. In Jesus' name, I pray amen and amen. Come on, if you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Rob, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. I came to church today and I've been away from the Lord or I'm here for the first time and I need to say yes to God. I need to declare my faith in Jesus. And like that song you guys sang earlier, I heard it. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I've been trying to, like Peter, I've been trying to get there on my commitment. I've been trying to get there on my goodness and in my works. And I want to fall totally into the grace of God today and lean on him today. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I just want your hand to go up in the air. And we're going to pray a prayer and believe that God is going to supernaturally change your life today. Come on, one, two, three. Throw that hand up in the air. Awesome. Awesome. See it? Awesome. Amen. Come on, church. Can we pray with those who lifted their hands? Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I'm giving you my life today. Take all of me. Have your way. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said amen. Come on, if you're in here today and you're a little tired and you're a little weary, come on, how about you just throw your hands up in the air today and just say, God, I'm leaning into you today. God, show me what heaven is doing. Show me what my Father is doing. Give me understanding. Give me more wisdom about my life so that I don't fill my life with things that I don't need to fill it with. God, show me the way that I can walk in it. I just want to rest in you today so that your power can rest on me. I can't do it. God, I know in myself, I will fall. I know scripture even tells me in Romans, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. My fall is imminent. My fall is apparent. My fall is happening. Without you, I will fall. I will fail. But today, God, I lean into you. I lean into you. No matter what comes, no matter who goes, no matter who comes, I lean into you and I rest on you. Just as the Bible said, John, who was the beloved, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, just as at that table, at that communion, he laid back and rested on you. He was the only one to show up with you in your time of need. And he never was declaring his love for you. He was constantly leaning on you. And he was there for you. God, help us to constantly lean on you so that we can be there for you in our community, in our family, in our city, on our jobs. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, amen.